I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and today on Fifth Emission, we're going to be speaking about a story our newsroom broke just a few hours ago. Hundreds of sailors stationed aboard a nuclear aircraft carrier are suffering from an outbreak of the coronavirus, and Navy officials seem to be doing very little to protect the sailors. The story was broken by reporters Joe Garifoli and Matthias Gaffney. On the phone with me now is Matthias to talk about what we know. Matthias, can you explain to us what is the Theodore Roosevelt? Yeah, it's a nuclear uh, aircraft carrier. Um, It's pretty large. It's about the size of about four or so football fields. Um, and it's, uh, it was last, uh, on voyage in the Philippine sea. It, it had previously docked in Vietnam and, and as about two weeks after it left Vietnam, they got their first couple positive tests to COVID and that aircraft carrier then was actually scheduled to stop in Guam. And it was as they pulled into Guam, the number was jumped to 25 and quickly to 36. And now it's at between 150 and 200, according to sources we have on the boat. That's amazing. And, uh, it, you know, I think if anyone has been on a naval ship, maybe a, um, a decommissioned one, you know that these sailors sleep in extremely tight quarters. How are they treating the the infected people right now on the ship the infected people for the most part have been moved pier side um that being said they're not allowed to go into guam itself they have to remain on pier side so there's a very limited space where they're able to keep these men and women quarantined and according to the the captain whose letter we obtained he says They have kind of group quarantine happening out there, but only one of the places that they're able to do it is up to the standards of of um, care that uh, the Navy and CDC has recommended. So he's incredibly concerned um, uh, about those uh, what he's kind of faced with and how he can isolate people. And then when you talk about the people who have yet to test positive on the ship. I mean, that's a whole nother thing. He says there's just physically no way to separate yourself six feet from someone on a warship like this. That's amazing. So we have air, you know, bases in Guam. Are they not allowed to use those bases? Yeah, they're at they're at um, they're, you know, docked at a, a base in Guam, but they don't want to spread it into Guam potentially. So they've been told to kind of stay. Um, in their ship and at the shore of their ship, but there's just not the facilities that they need um, uh, to isolate people. And they frankly want to evacuate the boat, the ship, and they want to give it a good cleaning. And it's just impossible to do while people are still on board. I mean, we're talking about more than 4,000 people. I mean, this is like a small city when you talk about these aircraft carriers. And so the the captain has a uh, a plan that he wants to um, pull 90% of the crew off off the ship. 10% have to stay on there. There's a nuclear react, reactor on board to watch. There's a, uh, uh, you know, obviously security reasons. They got to keep some people on board, but he wants everyone else off. And then he wants them, he needs equipment to be able to isolate them properly with their own facilities so they don't have common areas like they do now. Everything practically in the, air, the aircraft carrier right now is just one big common area that people are touching over and over. And and even though they say they've taken the infected people off of the ship, there's still a lot of concern that there are people who ha- who are positive and just haven't shown symptoms. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when this first broke out, 
they were still at sea and military officials started saying, well, we're going to test everyone on board. And, and the uh, captain in his letter addressed that saying, you know, testing's fine and great, but, you know, it's not going to prevent the spread um, if we're all still on this boat. Basically, you know, if you keep testing, eventually you're going to test everyone positive if you have everyone on a boat. And what does that solve? So he's saying testing's fine, but we need to isolate these these sailors. And there's just no way to do it on this vessel. People sleep in, you know, in some of these places are sleeping in cots that are triple decker cots right above each other in little tiny little cots. Um, they're all, you know, using the same ladders to climb they're all using the same bathroom facilities. They're all using the same mess hall. People who um, are in close contact with people who tested positive or serving the meals. There's just no way to separate people um, in the current situation. How would it work to to really deal with this? Or what, what, what does the captain want specifically to happen? Because if there's not enough space for them to get off of the aircraft carrier in Guam, how do you, what do you do with 4,000 people or nearly 4,000 people that need to get off the boat so it can be cleaned? Yeah, he, he didn't mince words on that. I mean, he wants, um, he says it may cost money, it may be a political decision, but he needs equipment sent to where they can be offloaded, um, at least 90% of the boat offloaded, and they could get individual isolation areas where they're not sharing the same facilities. And, you know, that could be costly, um, is it done? He didn't specify whether or not that should be done in Guam. Um, I'm assuming he doesn't want to set sail for somewhere else as is. So that would be the assumption from the letter that he wants something set up um, and sent to Guam to where they could facilitate this. And then you talk to people about, you know, you've seen with cruise ships um, having to clean it. I mean, it's not a quick process to to clean a vessel like that and to make it ready to get back on board. So you know, this is possibly we're talking about a long time frame and, and this is the military, this is on the cruise ship. So, you know, you have, they always talk about their mission readiness to be able to show their strength and whatnot. And, and, you know, if you have an entire aircraft carrier out of service with people off the ship for a while, you know, that can jeopardize that mission readiness. This boat is normally uh, based out of San Diego, correct? Yes. And and uh, I, sh- I shouldn't call it a boat. This aircraft carrier is based out of San Diego. And it- it's not an option to go back to San Diego where we have better hospitals and, and more land and don't have to worry about uh, infringing on an- another, you know, a- another country or protectorate. Yeah, um, there is that option. I mean, and frankly, the the captain lays out in his letter that, you know, there's an option to just, you know, if we, he kind of puts it, if we're at war, this is something we deal with and we could, we would continue on our way and we do the best we can while we're on the ship. Um, and you know, we'd make do and we'd get more illnesses, but that's what we'd have to do during wartime. But he said, but he says, you know, what we should look at, we're at peacetime and there's no reason to risk these lives. And so I would, he hasn't brought up going back to his home port by any means. Um, I think, you know, that would be a significant cruise, um, to get all the way back to San Diego that would have, you know, potentially an infected ship and more infected sailors on board and spreading it the entire time because there's just physically no way they can quarantine themselves properly on the ship itself. 
I'm speaking with reporter Matthias Gaffney about a U.S. aircraft carrier where coronavirus has taken hold. I want to ask you more about the captain and how you secure an aircraft carrier like this right after the break. Matthias, before we went on break, uh, we were talking about how difficult it would be to actually get this aircraft carrier clean again. Um, The captain who wrote this letter that you obtained, he's originally from Santa Rosa. Um, A lot of people that you spoke to in reporting the story remarked on how unusual it is for a captain in his position to write one of these letters to the U.S. Navy. Why, Why is that? Yeah, so uh, Captain Crozier, he's former naval aviator. Um, he's you know the the commanding officer on a nuclear aircraft carrier. That's a pretty uh, powerful position, and he's worked his way up. And the people we talked to said, you know, that's kind of you're on the the route to getting you know potential becoming an admiral. So uh, they said it's incredibly rare for um, a captain of a ship to address. Um, go up the chain of command like that and go directly to Navy command and, and just plea for these resources. Um, you know, you potentially are putting your career in jeopardy, um, if it's taken the wrong way. Um, but, um, I've heard from some of the sailors on the ship who, who just love this captain saying that, you know, he's, he's not looking about his career. He's looking about, uh, supporting, um, his crew, uh, who are going through a really troubling time right now. So yeah, he's definitely taken a risk by, uh, by sending this letter. You spoke to a former assistant secretary of defense, and I thought he had a really great quote. What, what was the point of view that he had on this? Yeah, this, he basically said that, um, this guy, uh, is showing that, uh, the crew comes first, um, you know, his career comes second and he's, um, this is incredibly unusual uh, for someone to write a letter like this uh, that, uh, you know, it shows just how dire the situation is. Now, you can imagine um, that this is this is an unusual case right now in a major nuclear aircraft carrier, but this could easily happen, I would think, to, to many naval ships. So surely the Navy has a response to this. What, what have they said about it so far? To us, not much. They've started speaking today after our story published this morning. Um, they yesterday when we were trying to reach out to them, they were scrambling and try to um, see if they could get us comments. Um, I heard last I heard from them was literally midnight, um, um, and they said that they would like to discuss the story to see what we're reporting on further. But they didn't have a comment as of yet. Um, that's changed today. Uh, they've spoken to other media outlets at this point. The, sec- the acting secretary of the Navy has talked about how they're um, tackling this uh, going forward and how he understands the challenges of the Navy, which is pretty unique in that um, they're on these vessels that are going throughout um, the world in very cramped quarters. So it's a very unique situation to the Navy. Um, and we saw that play out, frankly, on cruise ships, um, which is kind of one of the most similar comparisons you can have. And, and in his letter, the captain uh, brought up the Grand Princess cruise ship, the one that was uh, having a cruise out of Japan. And they had, I think, over 700 positive cases of coronavirus in the end. And there was a study done showing that um, these, if if they hadn't started isolating the passengers on board about 80% of them would have been positive by the end. And so that showed... And, but he, he made the point to mention that a cruise ship 
has individual staterooms where individuals can isolate and self-quarantine, whereas that's impossible on a uh, naval ship like the USS Teddy Roosevelt. And he also brought up the fact in that study that if they had completely disembarked the cruise ship right from the start, the, the researchers found that only 79 people would have been infected on that cruise ship rather than over 700. So that's obviously the most ideal is to just get off the ship entirely. Um, it's just not necessarily in the cards for them right now. Well, and we know the thing about this virus is that it can spread so easily and so quickly and that people without symptoms can still test positive. And every day, you know, if, I think if anything, these um, shelter in place orders, we can see the earlier you do them can have really dramatic results. Uh, so, and that doesn't seem to be happening on the Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah. He actually brought up that the fir- of the first 33 positive sailors um, who tested positive for COVID-19, the first 33, seven of them had been tested um, the first time and, and turned up negative. And then after that negative test, within one to three days, those seven sailors um, developed symptoms and were tested again and became positive. So it just shows that, you know, um, the testing that the military had promised the ship, you know, is great. You find out who, who has it and you can potentially treat them, which thankfully some of them, it doesn't sound like any have been serious cases so far, but then if you're not able to isolate them, the testing doesn't really help. I mean, the whole point about testing right now is to find out who really needs to be isolated, who needs to be pulled away from their loved ones or pulled away from their fellow sailors. And if you can't pull them away and isolate them, the testing really doesn't amount to much other than knowing that someone has it or not. And how much of a national security risk is this? I mean, a nuclear aircraft carrier, that seems like uh, something that you probably do need 4,000 people to help run and keep safe. Yeah, I mean, he he recognized in his letter, the captain, that this is an um, un- unusual request uh, to have 90% of the crew taken off board. And he recognized that there would have to be 10% to stay on there. But obviously, if you have... Um, 10% of about 4,000 or so sailors, um, you're talking about um, a few hundred people now, and and then you're on a big ship and you can potentially isolate yourself better um, with that smaller amount of crew. So, um, you know, that's the practical side of things. Um, as far as mission readiness, he also says, you know, those that smaller crew would have to be ready to be um, go out for any emergency that they'd have to respond to. Um, and, you know, everything could change if, if there's suddenly um, a, a uh, military issue that they have to address. Um, but for now, he says, the priority in peacetime should be these sailors that we're here to protect. Uh, yeah, he has an amazing quote that says, in war, we are, we're, we're, we're um, prepared to lose sailors in a war, but we're not in a war right now. And it's, it's really unacceptable. I'm paraphrasing, but he has some pretty powerful quotes in that letter, which we have posted on sfchronicle.com. Um, you got a call from the late Navy. You told me last night at midnight, has anything changed with um, how they're communicating this morning? Still compiling um, uh, what they've been telling people. They've uh, been getting out on on various networks now kind of telling their story about how they're trying to address this. Uh, it's unclear exactly what their plans are for the, um, the Roosevelt at this point. Um, it's a pretty difficult situation. Um, I'm working on 
reaching uh, the vessel itself and talking to sources there to see what the situa- situation like is on board still. Again, this is Guam, so they're actually ahead of us um, uh, significantly in time. So it's it's the middle of the night there right now. But I know it's a very stressful situation. Um, I, I heard from a mother of a sailor on board who's incredibly worried about her daughter um, who had kind of some symptoms um, the last few days and she hasn't heard from her since. So it's incredibly tense. And you can only imagine if you're stuck on this this vessel and you're, you're forced to be near people that you know um, the ship is uh, most likely infected in a lot of areas. You've also heard from some of the sailors on board too since we published this, correct? Yeah, very supportive of their captain. I think they they appreciated um, and recognized how unusual it was for him to step up like that and address and go up the chain of the command and address them. Um, so they are very supportive of that. Um, they also are very concerned about the situation and um, are, you know, hoping that there can be something can be done to where uh, they can get that ship clean again. I know you have a lot of reporting you still have to do to follow the story today. So I appreciate you taking the time out of your morning to chat with us, Matthias. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Matthias Gaffney for being with me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 